0: Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com.
1: A Funny Taste in Music with Andrew Bird.
2: Oi oi! Not enough podcasts. Start with Oi oi, did I? Um, this one just did. I'm not sure I'm happy about it. I won't do it again. Sorry. Welcome to A Funny Tasting Music. Uh, me, Andrew Bird, and Milo McCabe is on today. I mentioned to Milo about this podcast and said to him, um, oh, I've got to talk to you because you, you're a drummer as well. You do a bit of drumming, not realising quite the level of drumming he did i said to him ben norris has been on this podcast he plays music and milo said he hasn't played fucking v festival though has he um so i immediately asked milo to do the uh, podcast off the back of that uh, we address that at the start of the podcast um and well we should so this is a great one uh, if you'd like to donate to the patreon page if only like you know if this pandemic has kicked you in the bollocks don't go donating money for a podcast but if you if you're one of them pricks whose jobs not been affected in any way whatsoever in fact you've just done less you can just stay at home and you, your income's the same um then give me some money you prick all right prick give me some money probably should, shouldn't say prick three times in an intro anyway so yeah patreon page if you could please donate to that um so i can start chipping away at that mortgage um we have got a brilliant episode today it's really funny i hope you enjoy it milo if you haven't seen him do stand-up go on go on youtube and he's there's a character called troy hawk and it's fucking well funny i love and ever whenever i gig with him i watch him maybe because he's a a character you can just watch it and you know as a as a comedian you can distance yourself and just enjoy it for what it is because it's different to what you do but i watch him do stand up as a as troy hawk and i laugh and forget i actually do stand up myself which i think is a real gift when you can laugh at someone that much that you forget you're a stand-up i think that that's a good thing um so go on youtube and watch some of the clips of troy hawk he does some some videos there's one in Audi. Uh, that's really really funny Um, so watch some of them here comes the episode it's me I'm on it and uh, Milo McCabe a funny taste in music the interview next
0: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time
2: Alright, oh, just before we start though, uh, Milo's Wi-Fi was a little shaky, little bit. So sorry about that. Paul worked his magic with it, so hopefully it'll be alright. Stick with it.
1: Where are you? Are you in a sauna? No, I've it's it's like uh, an IKEA screen. I'm just oh. in my I'm in my gym stroke office. Oh, let's have uh, a look. Alright, uh, go on, hang on.
2: Pull the screen back
1: to uh Oh, there. Oh, Jesus Christ. Wow. Punch bags, drum kit, chin-up bar, speed bag, everything I need. Sweet. Look, I've but got a I've I've got got bookshelf and a chair. If I didn't have that, I'd probably be divorced right now, I reckon. And and it would have been me being unreasonable completely. <laughs> Well, that um, it would a hundred percent be my fault, just me being a petulant fucking child. You know what?
2: I am. Um, I comp- yeah, I completely. Uh, um, I used to think you, you know, you got to be completely go their way, and then everything will be all right. But you got, you got to look after yourself, and yeah, you? uh, Oh yeah, yeah.
1: Like fa- God, I, that is a good short-term strategy yeah. for small children or partners. Um, but it does not, does not at all work in the long run because I think you just build up that volcano of resentment. (laughs) I could just go. off. Yes,
2: you do. (laughs) Um, uh, now that two things yeah. you've just shown me in your office uh, one of them yeah. i was going to start by asking you about uh, but i was going to ask because you you are uh, uh, when i mentioned to you about doing this podcast about comedians talking about music i said ben norris has been on he's like a musician and your answer was yeah he hasn't done fucking v festival though has he <laughs> <laughs> and i want that recorded and i want ben norris to hear that <laughs> we could just yeah. uh put as, have that as a little trailer and send it to ben norris i'll be happy with that paul um but I'll um it up for you lovely thanks but no i knew you i knew you were a really good drummer i think we'd even spoke about it and other people have said to me jesus christ i saw i saw him drumming once I saw milo drum fucking hell and i'd heard all that but i didn't know you dr- i just thought you were a really good drummer i didn't know you drum i didn't know you drummed in bands but i didn't know you drummed in bands to that level because you mentioned yeah. casually v festival no not casually aggressively wasn't it um very and, aggressive uh, and then <laughs> so then i went and had a i had a google and a youtube thinking i wonder if there's any footage there's brilliant footage of you drumming which i'm sure you're aware of i hope you've watched oh, on God. many occasions
1: yeah, oh man like after it happened i went through a period where it's so embarrassing now but like if i brought a girl home or something Um, before anything happened I put on the Cluster in 2004 (laughs) and I just sit there watching myself with them it was horrible I I hate it thinking about it now it's so embarrassing I (laughs) I have a lot of
2: respect for you admitting that
1: yeah uh, yeah. it's something straight out of a sitcom that isn't it it's it's easy though because it feels like a different life feels like a different person feels like i'm throwing somebody else under the bus you know what
2: i mean oh that's a good way of putting it but so what right, right we'll yeah. build build the scene then it's a sitcom you're coming back it sounds like a classic sitcom you're coming back from a night out oh oh you sit down you oh, like the it's... candles should we put some soft music on no let's put some uh pretty raucous drumming on in fact there's some footage of it oh who's that it on the drum kit is it me deep. Did you act surprised? (laughs)
1: It's not far off. off. It really isn't. Like I would drop it in, say it was a date, or I just met someone, or whatever, and uh, I'd drop it in a conversation, and then like invariably, the you know the the girl would ask me a few questions about it, and I'd tell her about people we played with and stuff, and we'd get back, and I wouldn't have, and I'd be like, oh oh well, I've got, I mean, I've got a, I've got some footage of it, if you you know if yeah. if you want i could put it we don't have to but i could put it on if, and it was always like yeah let's sit there and watch this
2: so you, and, you'd write uh, you'd write m in the search engine it'd come up milo mccabe drumming and she'd no, go how come that's is, come up uh, straight away in the search
1: no this is 2004 we're talking about i'd get a dvd <laughs> 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 <a> <laughs> <laughs> just that awkward silence
2: uh eject
1: yeah uh, oh it's already in there Cause and, and partly, I mean, it was massive, like vanity and all that. But partly, it was also, is when you tell somebody you drum in a band, the first thing they'll think is, "Oh, oh yeah, like you know, all of you having a crack in your garage doing a gig yeah, to eight people." That's what I back. thought when you told I'm me. Like, I'm like, no fucker. Look, like, like I had a little slice of the real thing, you know. Uh, That was good, but what was was really interesting was um, it got to a point where I I was just starting to do like open spots and stuff, and at that time, an open spot was vastly more exciting than going to do a band gig in front of, you know, however many people. Yeah, yeah. I'd sort of hit the end, because like since I was 16, the whole thing, I, I just, that was my... Whole entire dream was to be like a drummer, and at the time it was like I don't know, drum on top of the pops or some shit, you know. When I was like fourteen, I was like, right, I just want to drum on TV. That's it. That's my goal. That's what I want to do. And um yeah, yeah. And it's I don't don't know. I don't know if I grew out of it or just got diverted. But I did. I did get a good slice in that year touring. Oh, you uh, got a fair
2: slice. I've had, yeah, a, I've had. Yeah,
1: a, cool. You've drummed out. I've made the list: Glastonbury, oh.
2: Tea in the Park, V Fest. But above all that, tell me about the uh, the
1: decision to wear a vest while oh, drumming. Always, I'm wearing a vest now, Andrew. <laughs> Andrew to be fair, I <laughs> just call cool, you Andrew.
2: Yeah, no. To be fair, I did see him in the vest, and I thought, well, I'm going to take the piss out of that. And then I thought, and I thought, hang on, I've seen him in a vest in other situations. Yeah. He's a vest man. To be fair, I am
1: like. Like vest and thin hoodie, just sort of.
2: That's my go-to. That is, yeah. So I thought I can't, I can't have a go too much then because you know you utilize it. You can, you can wear, you can, you can carry off a vest. Not everyone. I'd look. I would look. If you wear a vest, you look post-workout chic when you wear a vest. If I wore a vest, I would look southern hillbilly on the trail of the Appalachians. Uh, hasn't eaten for months (laughs) yeah yeah that's the difference we've got um yeah i think of you as a brilliant comedian who's done a bit of drumming but it's probably the other you know You were, I had
1: no idea. (laughs) Thanks. You just throw my comedy career under the bus.
2: (laughs) Oh, hang on. Yeah, I've just realised how that sounded. (laughs) No, that's how much of a comedian you are. That instinctively your brain went, what the fuck are you saying about me as a comedian? That shows how much of a comedian you are. Uh, No, but what I mean is I had no idea you'd done that level of drumming when did you start drumming what age were you when you started drumming
1: i um so my friend was a guitarist and he was putting a band together in sixth form and they needed a drummer and i just thought like all right i'll i'll get onto that i mean how hard can it be and so i i i'd, I'd always obsessed with something when i was a kid like i was obsessed with playing tennis And then when I started drumming, um, I started to shift to that and I started sort of having lessons and playing every day and soon I got my own kit. And then we got, we had like a little band uh, in sixth form and two of the lads were only in the band uh, because my mate who was a guitarist had a car. And we'd drive back to my house to rehearse lunch times, and my mum would cook everyone lunch. And that was pretty much the only reason that they were in the band, and also because they thought my mum was fit. And it cu- it culminated <laughs> in a. I, honestly, like, I, I found this Keep out him years in the band, his mum's fit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, I, I remember I've got this, like, it was horrific at the time, but we did a gig in a bar in Kingston called Backers. And like, I'd only been drumming about eight months, so I was dreadful. And we were were on like a a showcase night with a load of other bands that were a lot better than us. And we had about two songs. And during one of the songs, um, I hadn't secured my bass drum properly. So as I was playing, the bass drum and toms were moving further and further away from me right <laughs> <laughs> Until I was like trying to stretch Armstrong to keep the bass going. And then at a certain point it moved so far out that I just couldn't play anymore <laughs> and the whole song stopped. and it was the most like think about it you're like a vain 17 year old we've all got dressed in a certain way for a gig we're all shit everything sounds horrible everything's too loud you can't hear the singer you know like one of those band environments yeah yeah it was mortifying but i didn't you know we kept going i kept playing and stuff and And then I actually got pretty decent after a while. And then I remember I joined a cover band in my year. What, no, what actually happened? After school, I I finished my A-levels, gave myself a year off before uni to sort of like make it as a drummer. And I gave myself this year, like if I don't make it as a drummer in a year, I'll just go be a civvy and have a normal, boring, unfulfilling life. So I didn't put a huge amount of pressure on myself. Yeah. But um, I, I, what, what was really helpful was uh, I got in a cover band and it was, um, we paid 20 quid a gig. So it was like two hours of covers and we'd, we'd drive around everywhere. It was called the Serious Hat Band. And we'd sort of sleep in the van. It was a big sort of converted van. Sleep in the van and just go and play in these little pubs or whatever. And I absolutely loved it. And when you do four gigs a week, um, I was like 18, 19 at the time. You do four gigs a week. It gets you so good. It makes you so tight, like playing live that much. And so as as that year went on, I sort of left that band. I thought, right, that was good for a while, but I've got to try and get in a, a signed band now. And I sort of tried that with a couple of bands, and there was one I remember. What, what were they were called? they were called Transistor. And we had nine record companies come to see us. And I mean, the band looked amazing. Like everybody looked fantastic. Yeah, remember, well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it was a whole look. Like, the it was, sound.
2: It's a good name yeah, as well, Transistor.
1: Yeah, and then there was eight, eight or nine record companies uh showed up, and when we started playing. It was the first gig we'd ever played. The guy had sent out a demo, got all this interest, quickly put a band together, and every single record label uh, rep left while we were on. No way. Really? Uh, they all, Yeah, it was a place called West 1-4 Orange, and I just remember the singer being devastated, and I think I left shortly after that. <laughs> I was like, fuck this.
2: <laughs> why? Why was hang on? He put out the demo of was it of the band? The demo yeah, of the well, band like, or just he, his
1: songs? He'd, he'd sort of recorded. He'd sort of rec- put his uh, songs down. I don't know how he'd done it on a four-track, but he had like he'd he'd sort of I don't know. He had a, like a drum machine or yeah. programmed the bass. So or whatever, he'd sort of done these... it
2: himself, and then yeah, as a band,
1: as a band, we just took it all, and it was just horrible. It just sounded absolutely dreadful. Um, and, and no, and all the record companies fucked off and that nobody stayed to the end to even say that they'd been there or hi. but we knew they'd come in because they'd all signed in. Oh, God. <laughs> so and I remember thinking at that time, right, that's me done. And then I'll try and, yeah, so basically went to uni. And then after uni, I thought, I'm going to give myself another year. let try and find a band. In, in the, you know, various bands, they were all dreadful. And then I got a job in PR. And I sort of started doing quite well. I was like a PR executive. And then I was just getting depressed. I didn't know this. I was just going into work going, I remember when I was getting on a train going to a gig. This sucks, I hate this. And I just started like not showing up to meetings and completely self-sabotaging. And they hauled me in to give me this disciplinary and I just went, I'm not really that (laughs) arsed. They kind of fired me on the spot. So I went back to the cover band, played in this cover band for a bit, right? As a full-time job and it was paying better because they'd got a bit bigger. And so I was, I was then going around doing all these gigs and at that, then at a certain point, I think I was about 25. I was like, I can't, I mean, this is fine. This is just like massively extended adolescence going to pubs and playing covers. (laughs) And what, you know, and then, and then what happened was I started this acting course and it was this, sort of for want of a better phrase like interesting bald-headed hippie who i'd hang out with on this acting course and i i became friends with him and then like it turns out he's tim booth from james and i'd I'd be telling him about all these gigs that i've done and everything and at the time he he was looking for a drummer because he was going Ah. solo. so at this moment where he goes i'm looking for a drummer and and i didn't have a clue who he was and i looked at him and i thought this would be some like you know two blokes on bongos like sort of <laughs> dreadful caftan yeah like disaster and then he, he, he i was sort of like oh yeah mate like i'm a pro do you know what i mean like i do this for a living but yeah i'll listen i'll listen to your song and as soon as the vocals mate as soon as the vocals started I was just like, "Fuck!" Because obviously, that was like the whole of the beginning of the '90s, the, the mid '90s was was James songs. Like any yeah. student you, union you went in. And I was just like, and he saw me, motherfucker saw my face as I was listening to the thing. Oh. And and he was, he was like, you don't know, you don't know who I am, do you? And I'm like, i <laughs> fucking do This now. is
2: brilliant. Oh, what a stuff. Yeah, this is was- possibly better than you putting on DVDs of yourself drumming to women this. <laughs> you saying to Tim if you're yeah, all right, man, I'll listen to your stuff, Jesus.
1: Yeah, yeah, but he, lo- he-, he loved it. Like, How often did he, he- remind he knew- you of this? Do you know what? He's so well adjusted. Like he never did. No, really? Uh,
2: that's too well yeah, adjusted. that's too well adjusted. You need something about you where you're going to bring that up again.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. He's 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 the most unbelievably zen person I've ever met in my life. I've seen he's, a couple of interviews cool well.
2: with him, and he's got something about him you can imagine. I imagine him on a mat with bare feet. You know what I mean? Always. Yeah.
1: Yeah yeah, yeah. So, you, like, um, so
2: you're talking down to timbo yeah i'll give it a listen mate but um,
1: <laughs> yeah. i'm playing covers for 20 quid yeah. a
2: gig so i don't know i don't know if you know you're dealing yeah, with here. exactly
1: wow i know i know morrissey i know morrissey wrote i hate it when our friends become successful about you but i've just gigged on the isle of wight mate do you know mm. what i mean for 40 quid <laughs> um yeah but yeah so- and like and, and, and suddenly, as soon as he told me who he was, he was like, come and audition. And I got these white hot, like, do you know, and you, you have this opportunity sometimes and your brain immediately goes, all right, how are you going to fuck this up then? Yeah. So immediately I started panicking and I went to this uh, drum teacher and I had him notate every single note on the song like so i could learn it like absolutely perfectly every single drum beat every single fill so i could absolutely get what i didn't realize at the time was just like a a temporary holding pattern that the bloke had programmed into the song and uh, i went for the audition and i nearly did it in the band because i was too rigid and like the the bass player was like can you just sort of let go a little bit and then you know that was that and even at that point i didn't realize what it would be and then we ended up um we did Glastonbury, Tea in the Park, we did V Festival, we did Move Festival, which was with uh of Stereophonics. Yeah. Fucking what? Casabian uh, and stereophonics? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Like um people I was sort of in the standing up on the balcony at this the Trafford Cricket Centre whatever it is. And people thought I was Kelly Jones until I stood up. Oh yeah. Then, <laughs> yeah. You know, like I it's uh, not him yeah oh kelly yeah jones you've left
2: got to look at kelly jones the dark i airing. did
1: i especially did when i was younger and me and him walked past each other backstage just stopped and sort of looked at each other for a bit and didn't say anything and then just walked past he you know
2: what he thought he went "Ah, oh, fuck if i had that height i'd have everything <laughs> he's a man who's got nearly everything apart from your height yeah, and you uh, looked at him thinking if i had uh, your money and your songwriting ability i'd have everything Oh, I'd crash it. Yeah. You, you, you're both the missing yeah. parts of the puzzle for each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, but, um, but yeah, we did, we did that, and then we toured. We did like, uh, like, because over in Greece, James were like, take that in Greece, and the, we we did gigs in, in places like Thessaloniki or something. I, I don't know, but wh- wherever the hell it was, when we went there, it was it was absolute mayhem. Like we. Mm we went to an after party that literally stopped as soon as we walked in and we got walked to this VIP area and it's all roped off and you know I'm I'm, I'm invisible basically because I'm sort of sat next to Tim but it was yeah it was it was just a tiny little slice of oh this is what that that side of life is like but I tell you I tell the really interesting thing is when you go on a tour For a certain period of time, you have a tour manager, right? Who basically takes the place of your adult brain. So this tour manager will tell you where to go, what to do. You don't have to set up any of your own equipment. All you have to do is just do what you're told. You go here, you go there, go into town for a couple of hours. And then you come, you do a sound check, you fuck off, you have some food, you come back, you play. You've got no responsibility other than not not being fucked up. And I've flair. seen a
2: do- I've seen a music documentary, Travis music documentary, and there's a tour manager who says his job title is international babysitter.
1: But 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 what what's with the, within the zone of proximal development? You turn into a baby, right? You you, you move into that space. Like I we been we did like a couple of gigs in Greece and we were like gods. And I it took me about two weeks to turn into an asshole. And it wasn't like, I I remember being in this club and just acting like a bit of a dickhead. And the the tour manager just kind of grabbed me by the shirt, looked me in the eye and went, you're being a dickhead. And then I was like, almost just as aggressively back to him. I went, yeah, I am. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, and the next day I was like, that is how quickly you can sort of adapt to your environment and kind of betray yourself a little bit. That is very, is
2: very honest of you, to admit yeah. that but that and that and yeah. i don't mean this in a bad way uh but you'll know what i mean like the drummer is at the back you're sort of yeah. seeing the least yeah but even as the drummer and you're on your first tour you're already sort of having a taste of that kind of your ego getting out of control imagine if you were at the front singing and written all the yes. songs
1: Fuck, 100%, it's like times that by a hundred, isn't it? Well, yeah, because I'm talking about two weeks, and for some bands, that's like that's six months life. out of the year. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Uh, it, 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 and I'm yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how you don't sort of atrophy to Stroppy Child like within that time frame.
2: So so now when you see like uh like musicians and you hear stories of them being a bit of an arsehole or being an arrogant twat you you're a bit more sort of well
1: yeah I could I could understand why. Yes. Yeah. Very much so. Right. Very much so. But uh, I remember all the road crew obviously they they all they would talk about was uh the worst out of everybody I think from what I remember and this is hot gossip from 15 years ago. Lovely. Um, the worst was Van Morrison, apparently. I've He's heard this as the, well. The most horrible <laughs> <heard, I'm
2: not, laughs> I've not even been in a band and I know this. That's how bad he is. I think that's well yeah. known. He Yeah he would just uh i heard that he would like cancel tours the day before and stuff like that yeah
1: like he he was he was like a swear word the road crew just yeah that's all they could talk about is how how about this this guy they're
2: funny sound engineers lighting engineers and road crew have got that that they've got it's the same in stand-up as well they've got because they see all these people come and go we kind of cross each other not as often, but they probably see more musicians and comedians come and go. So they're really... They've got that look on their face like, mate, I've heard all this bullshit before. I Don't, you know... When you walk over and go, mate, can I... Um, With my sound, they look at you like, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> they've got that... That's how i describe their expression. Here we go. Yeah. You know. what,
1: what was really interesting was um, the, the, the sound guy just sort of said to me when we were doing the mix, he goes, can you take it a bit easier on the hi-hats? Because it would make my job like 10 times easier. And I said to him, like, this was about a month into the tour. And I sort of said, well, how how long has this been? And he's like, the whole time. I was like, why didn't you say anything? And he's like, honestly, because most drummers would absolutely throw a fit if they felt like their ability was being questioned and I said mate please like anything that you can tell me like that that help me out is, is perfect Aww. but I think that they're, they're, they're so used to manoeuvring around egos like that that as opposed to saying to me can you just take it a bit easy with my hand he's, he'd be like alright I have to constantly monitor these levels every gig and, and doing that is easier than p- potentially having a confrontation with this man baby person you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> what a a cracking
2: description of someone in a band <laughs> yeah a man yeah. baby person um oh totally bloody hell so how long so um how long were, how long were you in in cover bands until the point you um went on tour with tim booth so how long so how many years of sort of drumming
1: experience would you say you had before you went on that massive tour so i was i was in a, i was in a cover band for three years Jesus. and Fuck. yeah, so it was four roughly three, four gigs a week for for three years, and it it does, it gets you tight, you know yes what I mean? Bros. Like, it, get, it gets you locked in with that bass player. Who were the, so the, the other people
2: in the who were the other people in Tim Booth's back? We did like what I'm getting at here. Uh, were you looking at them like, Fuck, you know, I'm out of my depth here, or did you feel like, oh, you, absolutely
1: absolutely but then three
2: a lot of bands who then go on big tours have only been going about three years so you've had three years
1: oh yeah like Glastonbury was like our fourth gig like we'd do you know what I mean but we we did quite a lot of but we did quite a lot of uh, rehearsal and stuff like Tim Tim was based in Brighton at the time everyone was based in Brighton so we get down do a couple of days a week um yeah yeah i i was intimidated uh everyone was was in the band was you know just Beaming super cool bands and incredibly and accomplished and yeah yeah, yeah exactly definitely yeah. out of my depth but then
2: again they you know there's that thing of our new drummer that's sort of that'd be more interesting for them in a way you know than yeah. like, that's not going to be told anything
1: and I, can, I remember uh, I, I i just got my um Sorry, I just interrupted you completely, but I, you'll you, you'll laugh at this. I'd just got an agent and i just started getting weekend work, right? And uh, there was this European, little mini European tour that clashed with a weekend at the Hyena in <sighs> Newcastle. Oh, so you were doing stand-up uh, at the same time as this? I, no, this is like my first weekend. This is like right at the very beginning. This is my first paid weekend. And um, my agent at the time made me do this weekend at the Hyena. And, I, and it meant that I'd missed the first date of this tour and, and potentially jeopardized this European tour for a oh fucking God. weekend at the Hyena. And um, I missed the first gig and I had to sort of meet up with them en route. Uh, I think they picked me up That's by un- that hotel in Jessup, actually. Can't remember what happened. That's but I got back. And they'd had a stand-in drummer, and I remember one of the guys, I was like, look, be honest, was he, like, way better than me? And he was like, well, technically he was better than you, but he had none of your feel. And I was like, great, I'll take that sound. Awesome. Oh, Christ.
2: Um, for those who, I mean, those who don't know the Hyena Comedy Club, it was a gig. <laughs> You've, you potentially jeopardised a, a massive international festival tour for a gig that the promoter of the gig... Refused to go to. Yeah, she uh, was it. Vivian, it was Vivian, wasn't it?
1: it Lindsay. Lindsay.
2: Sure, my agent or the. No, no, the uh, hyena. Vivian. Sure, it's Vivian. She was um. Like a hyena was a gig of three thirds. On the Thursday it was studenty. Friday it was unbearable. And then Saturday was full of football hooligans and just unmanageable. It was unplayable. Yeah, yeah. And there was always for the and stuff. Friday. Uh, I'm sure it was Vivian who run the gig. She refused to go to that gig on the Friday, and you're yeah. potet- potentially jeopardising yeah. playing Glastonbury for that
1: fuck yeah 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 I, yeah it, it it was it was That's at that point But then as i as i said earlier there was a part of me that was more intrigued by by doing the stand-up do you know what i mean
2: oh so, so i didn't realize this this was crossing over so much that like you'd started standing you're just getting just
1: in ex- clubs just crossed over yeah
2: you know <laughs> i'm gonna have to pull me five minute open spot of the frog and bucket because i'm doing tea in the park <laughs> 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 wow so um yeah because i've seen that i saw the footage i youtube the footage uh you didn't take me back to yours and show me the dvd out to youtube it myself uh monkey oh. god at yep. move fest and that that's got like quite a lot of um uh like the camera's on you for quite a lot of that i'm going to use a technical term and if it's wrong feel free to cr- you got a couple of fills there a couple of little yeah yeah? yeah, did I get that right?
1: Yeah, yes. Yeah.
2: You got a fills couple of fills. The right There's a couple of li- like you know what I mean. You're not just drumming in the background. I, There's a couple of bits I, where it comes to I you. Used to,
1: yeah, like I like when I started drumming. um I uh, we at the time we had like Sky, uh, and uh, they had MTV, so that was all very new at the time. But I I saw um a Who song on there, and I can't remember what song it was. What song was it it was the one where it turned out that the they'd they loaded up keith moon's bass drum with dynamite oh yeah and yeah it, it, and it actually gone wrong and it ended up being part of the reason why pete townsend was deaf in one ear but that video from a smothers brothers show i can't remember what the song was but i watched keith moon play and i remember thinking right that's the drummer i'm going to be i'm going to be that guy that's so exciting, what he's doing. I want to be that guy, because he was like a drummer and a comedian, almost, yes. as he was doing it at the same time. I think a few, um, but a, a few people, he looked in, a bit Dudley Moore, didn't he? Yeah, I thought. like, he was always mugging, and he was always sort of flipping his sticks around, and, you know, I mean, he was kind of like a hero of mine up until I read the proper biography of him. Uh, it turns out he was like a nasty piece of work, a wife beater, and all that kind of stuff um but 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 i loved what he did as a drummer and that was my model like it should have been stewart copeland or you know uh chad smith from the chili peppers that as i've got older i'm like no that's that's drumming that's way better that kind of like but at the time it was like try and fill all the space with dynamic and that's not good for the song and the interesting thing was is um me and the bass player in the cover band we got so bored any time there was space we would try and fill it with our yeah. fills, so we could show off. It was like we were competing, and it got to a point where we were fucking the songs because every every song sounded like a Seinfeld sting, or that's a good. Like that a is, Guinness.
2: That's a good yeah, description. Like, you have put the image in my head. There, I can hear it. Yeah.
1: We'd have, there'd be a little, there'd be a little gap, and it'd be like boom, and then we're like, right, fuck you, I'm getting you. In the next gap, I'd like and I, it was just, and it was pure vanity and boredom. And the singers around it,
2: looking at you like mate we're, we're trying to play yesterday yeah. <laughs> there's no drums there's no <laughs> exactly. drums or bass
1: on this exactly well, you two the chill movie. out <laughs> <laughs> it's so, it's so like it's so wince making now. But what's even funnier is you, we'd go and play in these small towns in these pubs, and you'd always get a group of lads standing there, stock still, not moving. Each person looking at someone else in the band, and you're like, "Oh, you're a band, and I know who the drummer is because you ah. haven't been able to take your fucking eyes off me the whole time." I saw and then that even one. Like,
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah Carol. On. Sorry, yeah.
1: <laughs> no, you'd always like without fail in the interval i'd go up and go you're a band right and they'd be like uh yeah you know they just did. They were so- how do you know that because you've stared at me for an hour yeah. just me because you've literally stood in formation with the drummer at the back <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's five but i get the image of what sorry i get the image at the
2: bar there's five blokes <laughs> stood in format there's a bloke facing you the drummer there's a singer with long hair just slightly in yeah. front of him, facing the singer. Yeah. <laughs> they're, all, they're at the same depth as well. The guitarist is just yeah. off to the right. Yeah. Like
1: <laughs> but you know. You, That's funny. You know, funny. Like, like, you know wh- when you'd open.
2: Sorry, go on. Like West Side Story. <laughs> is that the one where yeah. they, the gangs yeah. face each other? Yeah.
1: Yeah. 100%. I saw that. I did
2: see that. Uh, the I saw uh, the Bootleg Beatles, and a bloke who was clearly a guitarist went and stood right opposite George Harrison. And started playing air guitar at the yeah. same time <laughs> oh crap yeah. but you could see by like you could actually play guitar by the way yeah he was but it's like all right mate just stand back and enjoy it but I, was that a I normal mean, thing then in little
1: little pubs oh just always local oh, band dude. staring you out always always um and the thing for drummers like this is incredibly niche uh, for drummers who were sort of great you know professional 10 15 years ago but You do. There was a thing called Drum Tech, which was I don't know what it was. It was like an academy. People went to play, Uh, but drummers from Drum Tech. It got to the point where I'd know if a drummer was from Drum Tech by the disdain on their face, because it's Uh, it's almost like the public school of drumming. The people that go to Drum Tech are instilled like you are now a superior class of drummer. Like I used to. I used to play bongos at house clubs as well, like after I finished drumming in a band. And this guy handed me a bit of paper and it said, You're half a beat behind, right? And I I called him over. I called him over and I went. You were at drum tech weren't
2: you ah, <laughs>
1: just he looked at me and you sort of nodded like that and I won. and then uh, next time I did a big fill and got a cheer I sort of looked back at him and winked and I was like fuck you drum tech.
2: Yeah yeah. Well, but well what you said a minute ago that kind of sums that up doesn't it when you went you rehearsed your ass off and then when you went yeah. and did the 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 um, audition they were like can you be a little bit less by
1: the book? give it a bit of feel because yeah. the, the drums the drums in a typical rock setup is the emotional input because it's the only sometimes the only kind of really acoustic element it's like the ba- it's like the heartbeat or whatever isn't it sort yeah. of gives it can it can give a lot of feel if uh, yeah if, it's done, right. if yeah. it's done right yeah I, if it's done with one one,
2: th- one thing i've always wanted to ask uh, a drummer. Yeah. Uh, a couple of things one have you ever been in the middle of a song and got an itchy nose
1: oh yeah oh itchy everything i, I
2: imagine mean, isn't that is That surely that's a nightmare an itchy nose in the middle of it what? there's no way you can itch that you'll have your that eye out is. of the stick if you try
1: no there, there actually is as you get better you get to a point where you can sort of drum one-handed um itch your nose you can, make you, a phone call yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> packet like, of crisps I, 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 I actually, I did that some gigs as a bit of a showpiece in the middle of a song. I knew I can play one-handed. I'd just eat a sandwich. Are you, just, serious? Are you serious? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Fuck off. I was trying to, I was a desperate show-off. I was a desperate show-off. I was twirling my sticks and doing unnecessary fills and God knows what all the time. Do you now
2: think what the other the other members of the band might have thought of that?
1: Oh no! I mean, I mean, that, they they were in front; they they couldn't see any of it. Ah, some of them still the like
2: back. some of them. This is the first they've heard of it. Well, yeah, Probably. I'll never look back yeah. at you. Yeah, Well, that yeah. no, that was the other thing I was going to ask because a lot of a lot of um the end. I think the ending of the song you sort of look to the drummer of when it ends, kind of. Yeah, is that? Yeah. yeah. I always think that when I'm watching a band live and they turn around and face the drummer. You know, there'll be yeah. a bit where the like, guitarist just sort of turns his back and faces the drummer. <laughs> Firstly, you're thinking, mate, there's 2,000 people here, face the fucking crowd. <laughs> and secondly, and there's always, there's, yeah, sorry, I'm always on. thinking, what What? What do you want the drummer to do? Stop staring at him. He can't wave or anything.
1: Would you want him to do that sort of smile back? Like, yeah, yeah, good on the guitar. There's always... There's always a mutual eyebrow raise. There's a slow mutual eyebrow race. So you both yeah. raise your head slightly, you both raise your eyebrows, and then bang, you bring it all down together at the same time.
2: Oh, I, I, do you know what? I just did that as you were saying it, instinctively, yeah, without so even realizing it. <laughs> I just did it. I just raised my eyebrows and banged my head down. I know exactly what yeah. you meant. I just yeah. did it um in perfect time as well if you're interested i've got i've um i've always see th- this as well this is why um because you do you showed us your office a minute ago on zoom and you've got your boxing bag in there and uh, me and you have chatted at length about our love of boxing yeah. not but as in i always i don't know about you i always feel like i have to explain it that i love boxing in that i don't like seeing people get hurt i don't spar uh, I like the exercising and the discipline of it, and I like lo- I love. I'm really interested in all the technique of it, yeah. without being able to do it. And whenever I talk to you, you've probably gone in uh, deeper than me. You've learned more than me, and that is there a bit of a crossover because with yes. people, people think of boxers. You'll know this now as like violent thugs. The intelligence of boxers. A lot of boxers are so intelligent because you've got to know what every bit of your body your, your feet are doing right. your shoulders your hands yeah your, where your fat every bit and as you throw a punch you don't just throw a punch you think about where the where other hand is your leg is where your shoulder yeah. is, your elbow all at the same time all of that going on did you find that easier because of drumming you're doing four things at the same time it's the coordination of it do you think a little bit Bit
1: of that helped. Yeah, I think so. Um, also, I'm kind of a little bit ambidextrous. I write left-handed, but l- play sports right-handed. Do everything else oh, right-handed. So freak. I'd think- have been
2: burnt about two hundred years ago. <laughs>
1: yeah so i think there's a crossover but the 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 main crossover for me is what you said in technique so it's all there and it's the same with drumming it's the same with boxing it's the same with comedy it's tiny little adjustments that you're constantly making that just make everything so much more effective and the fundamental position to get back to is being completely loose and relaxed and then letting muscle memory take over and that's that's sort of the when you can sort of like pile on the levels of achievement and you're not not having to then constantly think about everything because everything's kind of fallen into place because you've done it that much it's that feeling of smoothness do you know like when you're when you're sometimes you'll be have a round on the pads and it's effortless and it's really smooth it's that zone thing it's the same with drumming sometimes everything will feel easy same with comedy when you're on the back foot yeah it's all like you know it's it's just sort of working your way into that zone kind of thing
2: that's a real, that's a perfect description that's the part of exactly what you meant then that's um yeah with stand-up when you see a new stand-up or when you were new that sounds like i'm having a go when i was new when you're new yeah. when anyone's new is a stand-up
1: <laughs> everyone's you've, new uh, sometimes yeah
2: you've <laughs> yeah we're, we're all new like it's like when you were a baby um but no, that you can see someone who's who's got they've written stuff they've got some good stuff but they're saying it like they're reading it out of their head. It's not natural. Yeah. It's not. There's yeah. no flow to it. It's not. And the, you know, there's no feeling in it. It's the same with drumming. You know, you've learnt it off. You know, off pat. But there's no feeling to yeah. it. And then the same with boxing. It's the same in all the things. So that's sounds like that's the thing that you're sort of a, a little bit obsessed with. That feeling of getting it from knowing how to do stuff to get it to flow. You, you're after the flow. you're Leveling constantly- up milo
1: yes. what, how i'd describe you is you're
2: obsessed with a zone <laughs> <You> just realise <laughs> that this is turned into psych this turned into a therapy session you're obsessed with the zone yeah. milo that's what it is
1: i uh, yeah I, I am i am actually it's like that sort of prime operating capacity level flow you know the I mean? flow like, that's it yeah, as well, yeah yeah i love it. i love it love it love it love it that's what you're asking. Well, it's, it's just the it's just the the flip side of it though is like a tendency to beat yourself up when you're not in it yes do you know what i mean like when you're not absolutely at that sort of highest level of what you can do
2: yeah there's a the, when you do those. sometimes you do a gig stand up and you're like what the fuck what is it what i don't know what what the why this ain't working i don't know what you know i'm trying my hardest they seem all right i don't know i don't know what
1: it is it's just not happening yeah, that's the worst. That's the worst. Um, but do you not do you not then do an inventory, uh, like a self inventory, and go back and actually find out what it was that made that gig bad? Uh, yeah, for
2: a three-hour car journey home, usually exactly, just in silence.
0: Exactly. Going, what the fuck?
2: <laughs> <laughs> and then, then my and wife, and you're like, oh, I mom, just
1: I opened too quickly.
2: Like, yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, then my wife gets the phone call. All right, that was a gig. It just fuck it, I don't know. It was just, oh, it, it was just that bit don't work. And the fuck, and then she's got to talk me down from the ledge again.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I think I had the same conversation with you about when you do a bit of improv on stage that goes your way and then try and relay it through your own sphere of excitement over the yeah. phone to your pyjama-clad partner who's just about to go to bed. <laughs> 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 yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know they've just paused line of duty to hear you going, so then he yeah. said this, and I... <laughs> oh, it's horrific.
1: like, just don't pick up the phone. If you're busy, just don't pick up the phone. Let's not
2: do this, do you know what I mean? Sometimes, like... for her benefit, I'll text her, I'm on the way home, you don't need to hear this, I'll, I'll be home yeah. two hours.
1: Yeah. yeah.
2: Just yeah, just out yeah. of politeness, more than anything. But, um, yeah. yeah, so uh, I've gone on about your drumming, and not... not uh, and not ask you anything about the music you actually like, because... Yeah. Um, and and should say as well, if anyone's listening to this and gone, is this bloke, or, is he a comedian or a drummer? What the fuck? Um, <laughs> you, comedian, Troy Hawke, character... And again, every character you've done, you don't put on an outfit, do a, jokes in a voice. You fucking live it. Like Daniel Day-Lewis, you commit you commit oh, is what that's, i'm saying that's very kind thank um, you very much i didn't i didn't mean that to be so ass kissing but it's just how it came <laughs> um but you do <laughs> so that must have been weird going from playing the biggest possible gigs as a musician you know Glastonbury, yeah. tea in the park v fest all that and at the same time you're doing open spots to 25 people well how yeah. how, how did you i mean how did you um how did you not carry on with music and just stand up just well, so you got more obsessed with stand-up
1: i i probably would have done both so basically uh tim had an uh one album deal as a solo artist with his record company and so he got the got you know got the music made got the band together towards that album and we did that sort of on and off for the best part of a year and then that that was sort of the album toured and then i think he went if he had have the next year said right we're doing it again i probably would have gone on to it but funnily enough i didn't get the call again from him until 2010 uh and at this time i was sort of well into comedy and he called me and he's like are you still a drummer Uh, (laughs) because we've got we've got this sort of tour of argentina and this place and that place and and there was part of me going like fuck i could get my kit set up i could practice i could but then i was like do you know what i just don't think that's me anymore i don't think i'm in that same sort of headspace where i would enjoy it in the same way you know i mean i was like i was living with my wife at this point we had a mortgage we had a house and I'll, i'll be honest with you it wasn't about this but the, the the money was dreadful like when you're when you're a, a part of a band like that and yeah. people probably don't realize um it, it's it's pretty much it's it's very very it was at the time anyway it's very bad money but you're not doing it for the money you're doing it for the experience you're doing it to be able to you know go, go and play these gigs and sort of Travel rub the world. shoulders with yeah. these people and you know like gods like met all kinds of people like Amy Winehouse and the Kings of Leon and uh, well I don't know I didn't meet all of them I met the dude that looks like an elf I can't remember what his name is he was sound I bumped into him at the- <laughs> I'm oh, sorry anyway no I'm sorry the dude uh, that looks like an elf this is a this from is Kings
2: t- of Leon tough music quiz oh, oh, oh from Kings of Leon oh okay yeah okay um well, who who we did you to see- who did you get to hang Ooh. around with a little bit then but who did you sort of Backstage, because it's a circuit, is it? It's like stand up. You see yeah. the same people over and over a little bit. Who did you yeah. kind of bump into so, a few times that you started I getting on nodding stood, terms with?
1: I stood with Tim, who's very good friends with Badly Drawn Boy, nice. as we watched the strokes, and Drew Barrymore was like three feet over there. <laughs> and I think Pharrell Williams said. Hi to him, but Amy Winehouse had a, uh, a conversation with her, and she was kind of flirting with me a little bit. And I totally shit bed, absolutely mm. screwed it up, um and sort of you know beat myself about it for the next day. And then the next time I saw her at the next festival, she just didn't have a clue who I was, despite the fact we had like a five minute conversation. So I was like, all right, fair enough. um But yeah, everyone was sound. I'll tell you who wasn't sound. Morrissey. There's a surprise. There's a shocker. That is a shock. Um, so, we, we were playing. We were playing this festival in Spain. And it was on that day. It was us and Morrissey and somebody else. And Morrissey got all of us moved out of our dressing room because he wanted that dressing room because nearer the exit to to, to get the way. When he was finished uh so we all had to sort of move he didn't walk to tim at all or look at him, despite the fact that they were friends 20 years ago or whatever and he went into a road called off by the organizers of this festival i mean like traffic stopped so the second he stopped singing he could get in the car and fuck off he was in a car going down his off road while the band was still ringing out the sort of outro of the last song
2: i've i've heard spectacular I've heard- I've heard that as like a... It's kind of a music rock and roll cliche of the lead singer is in a car while the, you know, the guitar's still feeding back. Fuck, I've never seen... Yeah. Wow, that I think, happens. I think
1: he, he actually going to play a longer outro than normal to give him more time to fuck off.
2: Jesus. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Wow. Do you, so you've had, uh, you know... So did you did you get did you walk past Morrissey and nod? Or could you not even be no one was near him?
1: It was uh, do you know what? If I'd been anywhere near him, I think it would have been one of those where I'd have been terrified to look him in the eyes. Uh we no one was anywhere near him. Literally. There was like cordon, like he was loyalty, which I guess to an extent he is. Well, yeah.
2: It's a bit of a he's turned into a bit of a male Madonna though, isn't he? It? When it's like that. And uh, you'd be tempted to say, mate, can you not be a bit more like Johnny Marr? I mean, he's the bollocks and he's still a nice guy.
1: Yeah, he's gone super right wing as well. Or I don't know, gone, maybe he always was right wing.
2: Morrissey, or, you mean, not Johnny Marr? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah Morrissey.
2: I've heard this, um, I haven't I haven't read any of the stuff he's actually said, but I've heard he is undermining quite a lot of previous work. His back catalogue yeah. is taking a ideologically <laughs> battering at the moment. Because of the shit he's saying. People are going to go back and start re-listening to some of that. Like, oh, it doesn't feel the same. Yeah, Focus, on, context, focus on the guitar.
1: National Front Disco is a very different song. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> That's exactly the example I was groping for there. You, you nailed it. Well done. Uh,
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I t- but with, with my like, music personally, I remember I, I odd one. I like... Um, I remember the first album I bought was... Uh, tom petty and the heartbreakers into the wide open oh my god that's mental i was listening to them on the dog walk this morning fucking what, obsessed that album? with
2: tom petty uh not that album i was listening to uh the one that has just been released american hero i think it's called american oh. there's one of loads of rarities and live songs and outtakes it's brilliant it's like yeah. lo- loads
1: of it so that was the first album you bought that's that's quite a weird first album to buy? That is, yeah, it's, that it, it, it's a odd one, but I, again, it was because there was the video on MTV with Johnny Depp and I got hooked ah, into the yeah. video. And I think at the, that point, I liked the fact that it was like a little story within a song. And then I found that I liked all the songs on that album. Yeah. But then I, then I went, then I went like I being mad about the Roris Show soundtrack. I, I, I knew every word to every song. What soundtrack? Uh, the Rocky horror. Show. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, the musical. Yeah. Yeah. And then I took an abrupt turn (laughs) and got into heavy metal because the new friends that I'd met at that point were all into heavy metal. So I decided that I was going to get into heavy metal and I kind of made myself like it. And I I vaguely remember liking, uh, anthrax, Pantera, We went, I went to see, and this is like insane because I was sort of blown away by it, but I went to see Guns N' Roses in 92. And it was the first gig I went to and it was at Wembley and the lineup was um, Soundgarden were opening, Faith No More were in the middle and Guns N' Roses were closing. And that was incredible. That was your first gig,
2: Wembley. How old were you then?
1: I was 16.
2: 92 16 first gig gun- yeah. when my first gig on my own with my mates was Wembley Yeah Wembley uh Wembley sta- was your Wembley Stadium or arena Yeah yeah Wembley Stadium Wembley yeah Stadium. me too Wembley Stadium Oasis 2000 Um of course it was of course it bloody was but um so how long did your heavy metal phase last did you I'm guessing pretty, pretty you committed
1: much, uh- as long as those friendships lasted <laughs> <laughs> all, right, yeah. all right, I was into it for a bit, and then I just I think I realized I sort of segued off and started like I remember I got into I, after that after the Guns and Roses, I remember being more impressed by faith, no more, so I really got into faith no more, and I started listening to Henry Rollins, and it was always. And I'd started playing drums at that point. So it was stuff that I could drum along to. Well, heavy metal
2: drummers are all monster drummers, aren't they?
1: Yeah, yeah. And it was all like, I had a a drum kit in in the attic in my house and I sort of hammer away on that. And then I really got into The Who. Like The Who was the first band that I got into kind of on my own terms, I think. I properly, properly got into it. I had my first proper, I would say first and possibly only no i've had more since musical orgasm to um uh who's next uh, who's next uh right. teenage wasteland i listened to that blast on headphones and i literally i had that feeling have you you've had a musical orgasm haven't you
2: oh yeah yeah uh like, like
1: elbow i had one
2: elbow driving driving to elbow first thing in the morning the sun like a sunrise so the sky was bright red and there's this bit i can't remember the name of the song um so on little frictions at the end there's a bit where it goes mad and it sort of builds and builds and builds and builds i was like oh oh, jesus yeah Yeah.
1: that's it that's it what's your most embarrassing musical orgasm Uh,
2: (laughs) (laughs) how's, how's this interview
1: gone like this um um stop being a pussy come on what is it
2: I don't know, maybe I, I, I had a wet dream once over Natalie and Bruglia. <laughs> I, not...
1: um, I was I was going for a jog in Sheffield, I'll tell you exactly where it is, is you know the murder house that Toby Foster puts you in? Uh, <laughs> the, the murder house? house. <laughs> the murder yeah. house is Devin murders it. What
2: you do Sheffield, Toby Foster, the promoter, has got a little house in a village in Harley, and you stay in that instead of a hotel and yeah and jules yeah. told me that someone hung themselves in the spare room Yeah,
1: yeah they, I, they I called it the murder house before i knew that
2: oh really well he <laughs> yeah. told me that and i lay in bed all night shitting myself the sound of the central heating <sighs> creaking i was lit fucking nearly in tears yeah. until four in the morning
1: it suddenly dawned on me how would you hang yourself in a box room there's nothing to hang yourself <laughs> from See, it had to have be been like i don't know dwarf or something um but but anyway i was going for a jog and it was like that the sun was coming up i was listening to an artist called girl talk and i had this really powerful musical orgasm to a remix of some u2 song and some hip-hop song and it was completely involuntary <laughs> i was so dirty afterwards. <laughs> i was just jogging and i'm like oh no you're kidding I just in case away. people like, are confused what you mean by <laughs> musical or is that, you know you're, you're listening right so you listen to a song it just sort of gets you and you start to feel this emotion and it swells and then it yeah. kind of gets even bigger as the song moves on and you just sort of builds and builds and builds and you get this odd little pop of ecstasy yeah of just as as the song sort of hits this pinnacle and with with like that who song with teenage wasteland it's almost designed to get you there because it's got this section i think it's in the middle where it starts slow and builds and builds and starts crashing and gets louder and louder so it's almost like completely set up for that to happen to you but but then you get this wave of sort of like joy or whatever i've not i mean yeah, it, I it's mean. kind of like what you could get uh, on a pill at a really good rave but with no pill i i've had
2: that uh, uh exactly that um i've never done any drugs smoked a bit of weed but never done any mm. pills snorted anything i don't like taking tablets generally i've got a phobia in yeah. needles and i've got a big long bent nose so there's no point me snorting <laughs> coming i won't come up on it till the tuesday so i've done nothing yeah, yeah. so i don't know in one way, it makes me think I should have tried something. So I don't know. I don't know how any of that feels. And yeah, I, you know, I, but yeah. I kind of think I've got as close because of what you're saying there. Exactly that. The closest I think I've came to how that must feel. Kasabian, Wembley Arena. It was fucking unbelievable. And I don't dance. I never dance. My wife had gone. She was dancing. You know when people dance and they're in their own world. And yeah, yeah. they suddenly end up about 20 foot from you. It was like that. And I was just stood on my own. And I don't dance. But I was just stood there going, huh, 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 feeling like I was coming up on a pill or something. I was like, oh, this must be yeah. what it's like.
1: Yeah. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I um, I only, embarrassingly, only had my first pill at the age of 38. And uh, it, was, 30, yeah. it was awesome. Yeah yeah i, I went liverpool in the i went to in liverpool in the 90s and when it was all of that was absolutely at its height but all i was interested in at that point was you know trying to get off with people in the union and, and get it completely passed by and i'm kind of bad because going in was good enough when i was younger anyway but now i'm at the stage like where I, I might go out once every three months or something and then i sort of have <laughs> one but now uh, no, you're doing drugs that, like
2: medication now anyway, you're at an age, yeah. play no, you're age where you've got a manufactured joy.
1: Exactly, exactly, exactly. I, this is going to make a whole lot more bearable. <laughs> so, but I went to
2: do, um... <laughs> so now, hang on, at Liverpool <laughs> Uni, when you should have been doing it, you thought, well, they're yeah. off their heads. I'll stay straight and I'll be able to get off of them. Now you're at an age in your oh, late thirties... Oh no,
1: that makes me sound like uh, no. no like oh no, that I made it sound
2: just... worse than I meant. You were <laughs> yeah, tactical. I think I should be All on right, the I'll say it, I'll say it like this. You want to You want to uh, be... Um, you want to be clear-headed to appreciate a girl's personality and treat her like a no. human being. Bang, I turn was, it around. I was...
1: I was wasted as well. There was oh, absolutely, okay, it was like, go to the union, I'm going to have some drinks, I'm going to try and go for someone. And that was, uh, but then there was this, I remember um, in our house where these two guys from Middlesbrough and all their mates came up for the weekend. And they were so excited about going to cream and doing pills. And it was just completely alien to me and they all went off and did this thing and came back and they had the best night of their lives or whatever and we'd just done the same thing we do every weekend gone down the union had like a load of doubles for a quid ago and yeah uh, and, and it was yeah and I, I think if I'd have if I'd have sampled that at that age I think it would have absolutely hooked me in and that would have been me for the next 10 <laughs> but years but now am so kind of glad I'm glad yeah. I didn't yeah <laughs> I, I, and
2: now I, you're going out at the age of 38 thinking if I've got to listen to him talking about his mortgage you know, talk- <laughs> and him talking about his divorce i'm gonna need some fucking ecstasy for this
1: <laughs> yeah That's i had um, i had uh, I, I remember we went to Ibiza in 2017 uh, a whole load of us and i had a pill and so we, we were in this club and um i i had i just had this moment where i i totally got the whole rave thing because i'd never done it i'd never i i, I understood that whole Thing that I'd read about from people who wear apes and, and everything because it was the first time I'd had a, a strong pill in that specific sort of environment do you know what I mean I kind yeah. of got I was like oh that's what that was all about that's brilliant like I <laughs> 20 totally 20 I would later. have loved that yeah I would have absolutely oh, gotten onto that oh I like, get what I mean. they were on about exactly yeah. so kind two, of kind of two
2: decades hence um yeah I uh no I, I never got any of that well I would that would have been fucking ridiculous if I was doing pills in the early 90s i was 11 um, but, um yeah fucking coming up on a pill now i've got school um but i i never yeah i didn't really get any of that music i don't think it makes sense unless you're on on pills but um but yeah so you, were, you went for a heavy metal stage we're talking about uh and then you you moved on to and then you moved yeah. on and then so what where when did you um at what point what music then the who yeah you're talking about the who um, was, what yeah. is it about the who that because i've always really liked the who um i've never got that like, mental into them i've never got obsessed with them but what is it about it, the who
1: it was the what well, for starters the thing first of all that music was keith moon's drumming
2: yeah
1: and i think it was that sort of emotional power at the time. That the songs felt like they had they just felt like they communicated so much energy and i think that for me that's kind of what i think i would have wanted or what i missed from that's what i did like about the heavy metal music i think is level of energy communicating and then when when i when i started listening to who i was like oh oh that's that's that melodies and sort of unique sort of vocals and lyrics that don't quite make sense but do in their own little world yeah. and so I, I i i yeah it totally hooked me in and like quadrafinia and stuff and i i kind of was into the hood for a very long time and i sort of segued off i got very into david bowie and like i would i pretty much learned the drums playing along to david bowie songs i got oh, really, really? Into, yeah it wasn't it like, uh, was like a song in like particular the, um I had the singles collection from like mid the, I would say about the late, mid late nineties, I had the singles collection. And I learned the one that I really remember distinctly for some reason is TVC one for and kind of girl and songs like that. I sort of, I'd listened to that drummer and copy a lot of those plans and stuff. And then um, I went to you and it became more like, I got into black rape and the beastie boys in a big way and then it started to be I started to get a bit more into hip hop uh yeah like, you've gone through
2: some genres you? yeah
1: yeah completely and now i think that's that's sort of more or less roughly where i've settled uh but the the the, the prodigy have kind of always been my number one i think like since i you know since since the they started to, to it they've never kind of gone away and i think again it's the same thing that i like about the who it's that it's that mad energy oh yeah. shit i forgot to tell you about my roy orbison face
2: oh <laughs> I had- hang on hang on had- heavy metal <laughs> hip-hop prodig- prodigy. Oh, hang on. Roy Orbison. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Go
1: oh, on. God. I, I got my... So I was 18. I'm going to... start got my heart broken, but I got my ego broken. Uh, what happened was I was in this cover band, right? I was in my year out and I was getting like lots of female attention for the first time um, because I'd gone to a boys' school. So, I, I'd kind of, a year out, suddenly I was like, oh, cool, like, girls wanna get off of me, this is brilliant. And I met this girl, I, I was very, 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 very full of myself, and I met this girl at, at a nightclub, and she was, I think I was 18, I think she was 16, and we started going out, and she absolutely like, you know, she lived in like Buckinghamshire, and I'd get the train up to see her, and I, I, I was infatuated with her, and then, just out of nowhere she broke it off with me and I was devastated like devastated I was like and, and I thought I was in love with her and that's what had happened but I think what it is my ego at the time getting rejected properly for the first time um was devastating for my sense of my brittle esteem. And so I I I, I by chance I went to see this Roy Orbison musical because my dad knew someone in it. And yeah. and the sadness oh, of those songs no. coalesced much with oh. my self pity. At the time I was just like oh this is the guy so this guy roy Orbison, who yeah. had the most tragic life imaginable he's the poster boy of heartbreak yeah like like lost his whole family in various tragedies and he's yeah. singing these songs that i can relate to because i've, I've, because I've been, been dumped once <laughs> yeah once
2: <laughs> yeah yeah there the, wasn't the his kids are in a house fire everything but oh, you, you can relate oh, you can relate because you've been I dumped lally. once as an 18 year old
1: yeah, yeah exactly i was just like oh this guy gets it
2: <laughs> yeah, he knows how i feel yeah yeah, yeah i can imagine exactly. that that's what someone was talking the other the other week uh about how like you know if you're a bit feel a bit fed up and down some people put on happy music to get some people think right i'm gonna fucking embrace this and really go go with it and put on radiohead and stuff but you do that as well when you get dumped so you did that with roy orbison you've like really wrong right, can get in this now that i'm heartbroken
1: properly properly into it yeah properly into it so you like, instead of drove i drove
2: all night just to be with you yours was i got the 1352 to prince Risborough just to be <laughs> with you
1: <laughs> Dude, that's that's literally the station that was it i would go to yeah no way that's two from me that it's two down from me yeah, no, that that was where I, I would change a Princess Risborough because I remember staring illfully out of the window and seeing that that, that sign. <laughs> wow, <laughs> what a guess that was! um yeah. oh, it's oh, one of those dumplings as well, wh- where you like—I—I—I would—I refuse to accept that she wouldn't at some point like come back into my life. Like I'd write all these from uni and stuff like that, and oh, you know, so the heartbreak went on? And, oh yeah, dude, it was—it went, went on for a good couple of years. A couple of years. Yeah, eighteen yeah, 9, I,
2: I suppose. Eighteen—that yeah, is—I like, uh, remember getting. I like what you said then. That's a cracking description. Got my heart broken and my ego broken. That's a big bit of it. I had that at eighteen, yeah. eighteen, nineteen as well. Yeah, lingers a bit, doesn't it?
1: Ugh. It does. A valuable, valuable. Mine fucking was lesson, uh,
2: like, mine. Mine I mean? was you. You went Roy Orbison, I went. Uh, got the Travis album, and then we went up to two thousand. Year two thousand went up for the millennium in Edinburgh and I sat in the back of the car the whole way up for 6 hours just listening to Travis the man who over and over now the yeah. the singles on that album are upbeat but the rest of it fucking hell when you're heartbroken oh god that was that was uh they, they, those those are some somber songs I still, um, still now when I hear that I go fuck
1: yeah no it, that like I haven't listened to Rubens you know but it's weird isn't it because when it's a popular song that you you, know, you get used to hearing the emotional impact or sort of memories of the song, obviously they go over time. Yeah. But if there was an album that you listened to, it's the album tracks that you haven't heard since. Yeah, that like some like little album track will come along out of nowhere and suddenly you, you you've gone back twelve years and you just fuck.
2: God, yeah, that's a know, good you know, point because you don't hear the album. Back. The album tracks haven't been diluted on the radio, so they're still yeah, pure is- in your brain. That's a good point um oh yeah um and um oh I was gonna say then as well what was I gonna say you know edit this out Paul my brain's gone blank hang on (laughs) hang on hang on on. oh no I've got musical memories memories. no I've got it yeah Uh, Roy Orbison as well so you're into Roy Orbison the first band you ever bought was Tom Petty so did you love the Travelling Wilburys
1: um I I think I heard one of their songs
2: oh well that question remembering that question was a waste of time
1: that was, um, yeah, I thought yeah. I thought what you'd was, been that, off what then. Was that, what was that song that they all did? Um, well, I mean, Han, they all did Han, all their songs. Obviously, yeah, but yeah one they were a band.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Handle with care is the biggest. Well, most, I think that was one. it. Yeah, 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 with,
1: but, um, yeah. Brady. Um,
2: okay. oh yeah, I watched we that documentary. I watched that documentary on Roy Orbison. I was fucking in bits by the end of it. Oh, yeah. heartbreaking. But um, so you so you've. You think now at this age you've gone through? Let's go. Let's just have a quick recap to uh, yeah. to finish on here. You went from um, you went from Tom Petty, heavy metal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where did you go from heavy metal? You went into Faith the No who. More, the Who.
1: No more the Who. Yeah. The
2: Who. Then you went from that to um, there was Beastie Boys, there was Prodigy, there was and then you've, you've sort of finally settled now. But out of all of that, just to finish off, is there an album that you would say, if somebody, if uh, you said to somebody this album, and they said they've heard it and they don't like it, you could never really be friends with that person. Is there a deal breaker album? that um. some, Somebody maybe from your childhood that is be you've been friends with all your life, and they suddenly, you're having a drink, right? You're um, you're having a drink with them. you met up. You've done a pill to take the edge off it. You know they're going to be <laughs> You're in your vest. You're uh, a <laughs> hoodie <laughs> combo. And um yeah. you're there. You're about to go meet Tim Booth. So you haven't got a lot of time with this person. And they suddenly drop in the conversation. You mention an album. And they go, oh, yeah, I fucking hate them. I can't stand that album. You've got to rethink ah. your whole friendship with that person.
1: All right, so so it's one of those guns to your head. Has to be one album. Um, it would be probably Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys. Oh, really? I was nice. I yeah. was
2: expecting the Who or something then.
1: No, I I don't know what it is about that album. That's probably my most listened to album ever. And what's interesting is that in their biography, their autobiography, they were like, they weren't very happy with it, I don't think. And I was, there's there's something off key and brilliant about it. It's so sort of, it just feels experimental. And I don't know, there's something about the album that I always loved. And I sort of keep going back to as well so if i had to pick one although i it's i'm not like that like it's not like football or music or anything like that it would, it would kind of unduly affect a friendship in your little world where these things matter more then yeah that's the album
2: oh in my little world yeah <laughs> we're in my little world don't you worry about that i'm not pu- i'm not putting uh, all of this on yeah. you but no, no, <laughs> that's why i knew i'd like to talk to you about music though because what you said then what you've described are those intense phases of going through me mu- i am because you're um, I remember someone who told me that story about the boxing when you were training for boxing. Remember, I told you this, and you were training. Or everyone else yeah. who was training for the charity boxing match. Yeah, yeah. Were like sort of taking it a bit seriously, but you know they were like, oh, this is hard. And then someone met your trainer, and your trainer pointed at you and went, "Fuck yeah, he's intense, isn't he?" um <laughs> could you really you really get into stuff like like obviously you have drumming boxing all of that and i love that i yeah. get when i'm into a band i'm that's it i'm intense into them um I'm,
1: i am tense and i didn't even know i was until i was gigging with uh dan nightingale and kai Humphreys abroad in i don't know where it was switzerland and uh and and made a joke about me being intense, and generally, genuinely, I looked at him. Am I intense? And he just just dead eyed me, and he just went, "Are you joking?" <laughs> <was like>, <laughs> <intense."> dead eyed <laughs> me, and I was like, rethinking my whole past. I'm like, "Oh God, I'm intense as fuck." uh Yeah, I
2: intense sounds negative. I'm gonna. I, I want you to re- reframe it in your mind as passionate. That sounds better. Yeah, All you're right. passionate about that. things. Yeah, intense sounds yeah. negative. You're passionate yeah. about drumming, boxing, getting into bands. How often do you drum now? Are you drumming much? I, Is it just a thing that you tinker away? Just you know?
1: No, it's really interesting. Like I set I set them up um, about nine months ago because this guy wanted to do this sort of recording of uh, comedians playing on a track. And I was just like dreading it because, you know, anything that you used to be really good at, you pick it up again, your brain's going to fire signal, your hand's going to be like, what? You know, and that's exactly what happened. And it was horrible. And I set them up and left them there. And then I didn't touch them for like another six months. And I just kept looking up and they're like right there. And I'm like, all you need to do is play five minutes a day. And so I locked down what I've done is I've gone right every day. I've got to do a bit of meditation. I've got to do some exercise, I've got to do some writing and I've got to do a bit of drumming. So the last three weeks I have been drumming every single day for like 10 minutes and just being frustrated and angry. Uh, But as, as I've gone on, it started to come back a little bit and i've started to sort of get a little bit of feel back i'm still not as good as i was obviously but i'm now practicing to the point where i could you know like sort of play life again and stuff like oh nice
2: it's that. it, it nice a, it's a good bit of advice that actually with writing whatever you do that i keeps, i keep that's a mistake i always make where i think right i'm going to write for four hours today i'm going to write for four hours you're never you're never gonna just set your target right do 30 yeah. minutes writing set it small yeah. five yeah, minutes exactly. drumming a day you, you're much more likely to pick it up if you just set your target that, yeah you? i'm
1: literally all i have to do i'll play along to one song or i'll just think a bit and then i'll fuck off and that's it that's all i gotta
2: do yeah that'll get you back in i oh i didn't tell you that um i sat next to a drummer at school i don't know if i've told you this before let me guess. he was
1: always tapping, tapping on everything. Because I was, I was Here pencil's it... desk all the whole fucking time. paradiddles on absolutely everything. You can't stop yourself. It's like a conscious reflex.
2: This is it. This is what I'm going to say. Jonathan Pearson, um, <laughs> one of the funniest human beings I've ever met. He's well funny. And the um, and he used to set up a, a metal pencil case like cymbals, and he used to knee the underside of the table like a bass drum, and he'd properly set up a drum kit out of stuff and drum yeah. to the point he made a teacher cry once because he just kept drumming. She was going, stop it, Jonathan. Jonathan, Jonathan, Jonathan. He's going... <laughs> and he beatbox while drumming as well. Yeah. And um, so what I was going to say is I have picked up all the annoying habits of a drummer without being able to drum. I constantly you tap. You
1: I'm always drumming. Been Mr you probably been mister me up in yourself for like 25 years you could probably go on a kit and just be like John Bonham, right
2: well i once did, i once went to the um, drum kit uh, the music department at, at lunchtime he used to go and play drums at lunchtime sometimes and i went with him and i picked them up and i did a basic just a real basic and he pissed himself laughing and went fuck you can sort of drum a bit and i had picked <laughs> it up just from that but i can't i can do the a basic like then, but then it gets to the point where you know I can't go in can't roll into anything else you know that yeah. that bit it's just one bit but yeah but I mean it's it's affected the marriage the the annoying habits I've picked <laughs> up at least you can drum do you know what I mean at least you can at least yeah. you've I mean she must get annoyed at you tapping on your legs while you're eating your dinner I don't and stuff.
1: I don't do it anymore oh I, I, I haven't, I haven't got... for years
2: well I've still got the illness
1: have yeah, you got rid maybe. of it i just just like i i probably to be honest i think I actually started back a little bit in the last couple of weeks because i have been drumming again but i think in my head i just went oh i'm done with that. like in my head i just went right I'm, I'm not gonna drum anymore that's it that was an old part of my life done and you know there's no need for that at all like, cause I'm uh, like oh, no, i've got I'd, skill there i've just got to like sharpen it up a little yeah bit.
2: don't waste that i'd like to think one day you've got to be one you promise me you'll be one of them old men with a bunch of other old men as a bunch of mates and you're getting another cover band i love seeing really old men in a cover band i it think does, oh it, good on you
1: yeah i know i know right but I'll it's better bet, than I'll dominoes be isn't like,
2: it you've got to be that bloke and you still be getting like in your 80s and you still be getting some 60 year old women going he's all right
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> down at the working men's club yeah um i'd i'd be the annoying guy at the back still trying to trying to get to him by like spinning my sticks and and fucking being over yeah the well your athletic yeah.
2: fingers are flying everywhere yeah <laughs> brilliant <laughs> cheers milo thank you very much Hi. mate it's been bloody brilliant talking to you
1: yeah it's fun do you want to hear a phil yeah oh you got your drums there yeah oh we could finish we could finish on a bit of drumming all right, I don't know how good it's going to be, but I'll have a crack. All right, shall so go, go try it? Yeah, uh, count
2: yourself in with the sticks like you're in a full band. One, two, three, four. Uh, I like the clicky noise, all right. go. All
1: right, hang on.
2: Oh. Oh, I've never had this before, what an ending.
0: From producer Paul